internet. Now that is a proper introduction. My name is Matthew Kroll. And Matt, what is the Sanskrit word for war? Cows? Eh, close enough. Move. My name is Shahir Dowd, and welcome to the only podcast about movies. What are we talking about this week, Matt? We are talking about the film Arrival, and someone else has arrived. Speaking of proper introductions, Shahir, who's in the room? Returning guest, Paul Trillo. Why, Paul. Why am I here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why are you here, Paul? How did you even get in the room? I came in this weird uh, oval-shaped pod thing, yeah. and... Uh, Thought it would be cool if I talked about this film. With well, you the guys. one thing I'm glad about is we're communicating well. And if you want to communicate with us, wow, yeah. we are full of transitions. <laughs> you can reach us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at onlymoviepod, or you can try out our website, which is onlymoviepodcast.com. And you can also leave us some uh, reviews if you'd be so inclined on iTunes. Five stars would be wonderful, but we'll take however many you can do. I feel like nothing below four for me. Thank you. Wow. (laughs) Uh, I feel like we're being so smooth with our transitions. uh, A, because we're calling them out and B, because we're drinking a nice blended scotch whiskey. Um, So, you know, we just wanted to be a little bit classy for arrival. We wanted it to feel welcome when it arrived. Yeah. so guys, uh, I mean, I normally we, we start these things by like history with the film or the filmmaker, you know, that sort of thing. This is the third film by this filmmaker I know. we've done on yeah. this podcast. Yeah, what are the other two? We did Prisoner. No, we didn't do Prisoner. We did Sicario mm-hmm. and we did Enemy as Enemy. a special bonus as well. Did you? I saw, you, I saw, yeah, I've seen, I think I've seen all of them except, what was his first film? Um, on Sundays. Uh, he, he did another film called uh, Polytechnic, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen that either. On Sundays is amazing. I've I, heard that one's great. I, I'm, it is. I'm actually anxious to see that. It's got a little bit of the first, and it's not his first film, but it's it's a, it feels a little bit mm. first filmy. Right. But as a first film, it's remarkable. I, <laughs> but I, it's not his first film. But it's not his first film. But if it was his first film, it would be remarkable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's not. But yeah, you, you met Matt. It's a second film. It's, it's, a, a, it's a great first film for being a second film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 No, Matt understands me. <laughs> um, but you you obviously I'm familiar prisoners. with. Yeah. His work. Prisoners. Uh, prisoners enemies. is probably my favorite. It's yeah. Prisoners yeah. is remarkable. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, enemy. I Matt. We made a fan of uh, of you uh, of enemy, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, that was a fan requested episode, and um, uh, and they did it. They did it, Paul, to spite me. I think originally it was like, oh, let's make Match watch watch Enemy. He'll hate it. And I did not. <laughs> you think I so really little about our listeners. I love our listeners. In fact, I like I like them challenging me. I like them coming at me with things they think I'll hate, and then I love them. <laughs> now I had an interesting experience watching this movie. Because uh, I, so this is going to be a little bit of a, a tough podcast for me to do, a tough discussion for me to do, because I watched this about three weeks ago, um, and I haven't been able to get to see it again. But I saw it in the Netherlands. If, if, you, if listeners uh, are tuning into our chronology, you know that we, both Matt and I reviewed Moonlight in the Netherlands a couple of weeks ago. In a hotel room in Rotterdam, baby. But I was actually, Sexy. I was staying was. In, this, in this, yeah, it was, it got very awkward very soon. Um, I was staying in a little town called Leiden and the Leiden International Film Festival was playing and, and Arrival Lucky was playing. Yeah, so I was like, wow. okay, I'm going to rock up and see this Pretty movie. Dope. Look at the big pants on Shahir. Yeah, I go to like small town film festivals. And but you're like, big pants. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. The film is ostensibly about communication and a key scene in this film happens through subtitles. And I watched it in a country where the subtitles are another language because the film played in English, but the subtitles were in Dutch. So there's a key scene. That you happened. don't know what the aliens said. <laughs> I don't, That's I don't amazing. actually, I don't. I, and, 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 I, 
and I'm I, actually kind of jealous yeah. that you didn't get that scene. No, but, but the thing is, talk about that later. the thing is, is that the the film is about trying to interpret language and trying right. to learn a language. So I was sitting there trying to learn Hyptopod and figure out exactly what was being said. So I, I how'd that work out for you? And then you uh, got Dutch thrown at you. And, uh, <laughs> Son of a bitch. Well, the cool thing about seeing it at the Light International Film Festival is, uh, I. I'm not sure if he was a film academic or a um, or a homeless uh, man or, or a generally homeless <laughs> man or uh, it's so it actually is hard, it's to, hard tell. to tell. It's hard to tell. They the dress the same. Yeah. <laughs> they talk a lot of beards. Yeah, yeah talk to themselves beards. just as often. Um, but I, I'm not sure if he was a film academic or an astrophysicist, which uh, a very very wide gamut. But a guy came out before the film again speaking entirely in Dutch, so I didn't quite understand. But I was enjoying the experience of of basically being introduced to this film by having a lecture before it. I thought that was just kind of like. How long was the lecture? The lecture was like twenty five minutes. Oh wow! And it was like oh, twenty five minutes of you not knowing what the fuck was going on. <laughs> I was like sitting there going, "Well, everyone seems to be into what he's saying. <laughs> like it seems cool." You just wanted to nod so they didn't point out that you didn't speak the language. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to like point me out. I was like, "Oh, there's that guy from the Only Movie Podcast." No, that was never going to happen. You mean the only <laughs> podcast about movies? I don't even know our name. I know. But, <laughs> See? That's why no one recognizes. Yeah, that's why no one recognizes you. This doubt you here. <laughs> <laughs> but but so I I. I actually had that odd experience. I'm, I'm guessing you guys saw this in a more conventional way. I saw it in slightly, a, a slightly non-conventional way. Mm. Um, the, the new, um, what's it called? Alamo, Alamo draft house. Yeah. I got, I got severe po- fo- po- <laughs> poop, poisoning. poop, poisoning. poisoning, food poisoning, food poisoning. Uh, Pood I, yes, poisoning. Actually, I've, I've spoken I, to both yeah, of you. He told me, yeah, he told me about your, I'm sorry it for your bowels. It was bad. Yeah. Uh, well, it was still, actually my, it was actually all vomit. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sorry so, for your uh, stomach. So, and so your in front of me right now but is a one-star review on Yelp, and Matt, Alamo, you've got a... I mean, Alamo's, what did you think? Well, first of all, it's super weird. So if you live in Brooklyn, listeners, at all, if you're going to make it to the city soon, they just put a new Alamo Draft House, which is a chain of very sort they're, of they're all over the nice country movie now. theaters. Yeah. They're, you know, they're Started real in Austin, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, which the Austin one's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you go in, it's one of those, you reserve your seat, you get food. They do the whole rigmarole. Obviously, Paul didn't have a great time with the food part, but like, it's, it's a very high end film. I got free tickets though. That's good. Yeah. There's another they're still like learning. That. They were like, they, they knocked stuff off the price of the service is like it's rough but here's but here's the thing so it's in this giant new development down near the fulton mall and it's it's like empty there's like a century 21 and that's it and like a five-story thing so you're going up these (laughs) escalators and it feels like you're in this dystopian like like in the walking dead yeah like nothing is there it's weird and then you get upstairs and there's the one usher and you go in and like you don't everything doesn't look right and it's got the carpet from the fucking shining i'm not kidding it's the carpet from the shining and there's like the uh the house of wax the the bars the the house of wax like it's like it's a cool heads everywhere it's a cool spot but very unnerving until it gets populated right uh how do you guys feel uh, because because there's another movie theater that does that in in brooklyn nighthawk god bless nighthawk but how do you guys feel about the the sort of waiters coming in during the movie because the Love first it. time I did it I was kind of like ah oh, this is not the it's kind of a fun experience it's slightly but it's not, distracting though, but it's not right? it's not the I, optimal way to watch a movie yeah I try to like I, I try to eliminate as many distractions as I can when I watch something I yeah. just I love being engulfed in yeah. experience I will, Alamo I felt felt was actually more distracting than Nighthawk because they're like running around because they don't know how to no do it no one knows yet. what's going on they'll learn and, and you're like 
Jesus, like I don't, know, I don't know if I like this. Yeah, yeah I yeah. like it because, but I, it's 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 like watching a movie in first class or something. Yeah, and <laughs> it's it, by first class I mean that all around because it's like they have a super strict phone and talking policy, which yeah. I fucking That's love. Good. I think for most theaters and, like and, this, and you get to pick your seats. Like you pick first your class. seats. Oh, yeah. wow. The one thing you know, I will in say, New Zealand, I will say, I was so theater. fucking bullshit because me and my buddy went. Me and Steve Buja from uh, Oscar Watch. Um, he. And I went and we were like, oh, you know what sounds fucking good with our food? Like a fucking milkshake. Like, let's get milkshakes. Like, let's not be alcoholics for once in our fucking lives yeah. and get some milkshakes. And be fat boys instead. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm fine with that. And like, they take our orders and they come back and like, we, we don't have milkshakes today. And I was like, you don't have milkshakes today. <laughs> Go to the store and get some ice cream and milk. I God guess damn it. the cows in the Sanskrit had run out. Um, oh, see, transition. Transition. Trans to the movie. Boom. Whiskey. Um. <laughs> So overall, first thoughts about this movie uh, beyond the experience of where I saw it. Um, I fucking really, really liked it. Uh, I feel like it was it it worked for me and it, we'll get into it a little bit deeper. But like is a very delicate balance in sci fi for me. That is mystery versus explanation. And you have to the, the, the closer you ride to that knife point. Mm -hmm. On both sides, the better for me. And something I really have to say about, about what this movie does and does very successfully is it fucking hits that razor's edge for me. Oh, it mm. gets close. Yeah, mm. it's 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 it gave me the right amount of this is why stuff works, yeah. and then it gave me the right amount of mystery, mm. and it gave me the right amount of uh, a, a fucking unreasonable narrator. No, what is I'm not reasonable, uh, untrustworthy narrator. What's yeah, that? Something like that. Unreliable. Yeah. Reliable. Reliable. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, whiskey. I need more of it. Um. <laughs> And yeah, I think, um, you know, and even, even, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a twist, I guess, mm -hmm. to it. And I'm not a big on twists, but I thought it was done classy and tastefully. Yeah. what do you think? Paul? I, yeah, I, I, yeah, it definitely teetered towards like too much explanation for me at the end. I, I, right. I think, yeah, again, like, like you just so eloquently said the best sci-fi doesn't need to over explain itself. It just has meaning imbued for in it yes and uh it, it almost got to be like no 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 just like leave that where it is it like at the end it, it gets a little hairy for me yeah uh and in terms of like uh but that i mean part of that is a product of budget and sure people uh you know that have the budget that are like this needs to make sense. Right. 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 Uh, so, so I, I, I can't like a hundred percent fault the movie. This is like the most, like, the most, and I mean this in a good way in the, you know, alien invasion movie I've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> this is what I said when I left the theater it. So after, um, independence day resurgence, right. My alien invasion, You're uh, done. It's, it, yeah, I was like, Nope. And this movie, <laughs> brought me back to zero like as yeah. bad as resurgence right. was cleanse the palate. this cleansed the palate and now i'm ready for if someone wants to do another one like this right. this <laughs> was the cure for that and now i can move on with my life I, yeah i we're not in spoiler territory not yet, yet. Not we're yet. close okay. here well, but, you, yeah, yeah go ahead sure i mean um yeah i love the film i thought uh I, and i'm kind of uh like i I've, I've explained on the podcast before i'm a Denis villeneuve fanboy at this point Damn, I, you can even say his name right Ooh. i can't even do i no, I, no. I spent some time in paris villeneuve i didn't know is Denis. Denis villeneuve Denis and villeneuve say a, a previous Denis guest villeneuve. yeah we did it a previous guest jimmy ferguson uh basically uh scolded me for having bad he, pronunciation he would, yeah um oh you know jimmy as well of course <laughs> yeah um i love the film i 
Is it my favorite Denis Villeneuve film? I'm not so sure. I think I, I, I would place uh, Prisoners a little bit higher. Is but it your favorite alien invasion film of 2016? I think it might be my favorite alien invasion film since Close Encounters. Ooh, that's fair. Uh, um, yeah. I, I really, really... Are they making... Sorry. Mm. Are, I saw this mm. today. Are they making Close Encounters too? Is that a thing? No. I saw I've a heard, I've I heard saw a nothing, but I feel poster. confident. No, that, was a, uh, that was a poster for a sequel that was never made. Oh, okay. That, yeah, I, I, I got kind of worried. I was yeah. going to say I'd heard yeah. nothing, but I'm confident 100% they are. And, yeah. and <laughs> what I, so, so the reason I, I thought about Close Encounters a little bit is that, is that the, the, you know, like in recent years when an alien invades... Uh, it is about, you know, like in, in general life. You build a wall. 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 2013, the Asian invasion of 2012, right. you know, all those invasions. Um, there is obviously the the emphasis on warfare and how this affects us in a in a militaristic sense. Now, this film doesn't shy away from the from probably the truth of it, which is that if a if an alien force landed, the military would be in charge of it. But what it does get involved in is more the existential question that an alien invasion would pose us. Um, I think a film maybe like District 9 kind of tackled this in an interesting way as sure. well. So what uh, th that that to me, already you've won me over when, when you're actually talking about what does it mean for this event to happen. Well, actually, what you're saying, Shear, is, that, is a problem that I actually had with the film mm, was that... Not enough explosions? No, but I get my explosions. I, there's plenty of explosions. <laughs> We're fine with explosions. But it seemed like every character other than the main three being uh, Dr. Louise Banks, played by Amy Adams, uh, Ian Donnelly, played by Jeremy Redder, and uh, Colonel Weber, played by Forrest Whitaker, uh, everyone else in this film is trigger happy idiots like everyone. Well, There's only three people that want to talk to these fucking people. At least that's how it's perceived uh, through mm. the American lens. Yes. And, yeah. and I actually think that was uh, very poignant. Um, but the, yeah, because we, we don't know what's happening in China. Like we don't know what's happening in Russia. Because there's we, twelve ships. Because it's land. led by, but but maybe there's struggle well, there too. So what I I loved about this film is it basically took the the Tower of Babel kind of story, you know, the mythical Tower of Babel story, and, and played it out with an alien invasion. Yeah. And I think you know, like the the idea of like a not having the ability to communicate, the the idea that language permeates all our interactions and the and the and yes. the difference in language is really interesting and you know the other thing is i, I know you're not a fan of interstellar matt um, i i like interstellar a lot um is it because it was love all along <laughs> i i have problems with interstellar but I, I i like the overall bombast of interstellar i think it's very overwhelming whoa 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 I I I for the cheap seats what the fuck is bombast mean i think it's a loud persuasive movie i think, I think it's I think like the it's, IMAX it's drumming you is great it's drumming you into submission and oh, it i like looks beautiful it sounds great yeah no no and, just, I, and i and i like the kind of operatic nature of that film like it, it feels like a big space opera yeah. and it has problems but space we're not talking operas have endings <laughs> we're not talking about interstellar but but what i like about arrival is it feels like it taps into some of the um, the humanistic qualities that that Interstellar was trying to get into in a much quieter, it's very intimate. Yeah, very subtle way. It, it almost feels like this could be a Terrence Malick movie, right. but mean, it has I more mean, story. But parts <laughs> of it, parts of it, almost bite. Terrence Malick, like verbatim, the yeah. like steady cam following kids at a yeah, low angle yeah, exactly. with like, flares. Uh, and and so I'm happy and, to see Amy Adams in uh, a Terrence Malick influenced film that isn't directed by Zack Snyder. Yeah. I'm happy yeah. to see her as not <laughs> Lois Lane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and she's, she's having a great good. year this she's year. She's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And 
I, I'm not sure what quality it is, but she has a certain like every woman quality to her. Um, and, and I'm, you know, like I wish I, I'd I only wish every woman was <laughs> Amy Adams. I would only <laughs> believe it here if you sing it. I'm every woman. <laughs> it's all in me. I believe it now. Yeah, good. Um, so I I like the fact that this is a a, a quiet pensive film about language and and I, I what i really love is the hero of this movie is a linguist you know like college professor a college professor yeah. linguist who's actually like who's trying to apply theoretical you know like theoretical knowledge to what is happening in front of them. I, I was like, that's, I like it when smart people are trying to do smart things. It's dangerous to be talking like that in America, Shahir, right now. <laughs> yeah, and then there is, okay, so I saw the movie in the Netherlands. I Everyone walked out of it fairly ecstatic and, you know, like jovial, and I, I rode my bike home and, you know, stopped and got a burger on the way home and people were still talking about the movie and it was cool and stuff. How was it in, now this, you saw this, the pre-electoral. No, post. Po okay, so, so post-election. How how did it uh, how did it make you feel? I mean, it, it made me feel like communicating is important. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and not Talk doing it is is at our own peril. I Talking mean, stuff to people is important. Yeah, I mean the it was impossible not to think of like the Cold War and um, the current geopolitical mm -hmm. sort of um, I don't know chess match or checkers depending on uh which political it's probably you're chess you're because there's a lot of russian going on yeah over there. <laughs> i think with donald trump it's checkers but uh um, <laughs> well putin's playing chess yeah exactly uh and trump's but, playing yeah, that checkers. was like totally on my mind the the whole time uh so the film had like more it was more relevant because of that it was the first film i saw in theaters after the election it took me a uh, uh, I think it took me some time to like want to consume sure. something. Yeah. And then I got to the, I got to the, through the stages of uh, grief or whatever, where I was like, okay, uh, first escapism. it's anger, yeah. then, then acceptance, then yeah, alien invasion movie. Diarrhea. Oh, and diarrhea. And then, yeah. You yeah, got yeah, the yeah, diarrhea. Nothing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then, yeah. And then it's, uh, yeah, a little bit of escapism. I, I needed it. And then I was brought back into thinking about politics again, but in a good way. Um, and yeah, I, I thought that the, the handling of politics was, um, it f just felt well researched. It felt like potent, like it almost it felt balanced. Yeah. It, and it, and it didn't, it didn't like take over to like the, the personal story for yeah. Amy Adams too it's, much. Yeah. It was like the, it was like the right B plot that it needed. So the thing is, as I, because I wasn't able to see the film again after seeing it in, in Dutch, um, I, I went and read the short story that it's based on story of a life by Ted Chang. And, and the, the, the amazing thing about the short story, it's about a 32 page story is that it managed the structure, which is so delicate and balanced is done so well in, in that short story. Mm -hmm. And you can see where they got it from. Like the, the, the story of, um, Amy Adams, Louise Banks and her daughter is is played off beautifully against the, you know, like the, the, the more esoteric, conversations about how language works. Um, and, and there's a beautiful moment where someone is trying to figure out a theory in, in the film, and we'll talk about it in spoilers. Sure. And it kind of ties back to a personal moment um, that Amy Adams or Dr. Banks is having with her daughter. And, and it's funny because it's, it's in the short story, you know, like it, it's, it's, it's all there in the original text. And I was like, man, who is this writer, Ted Chang? I've got to read more of this, this work. And, I, and, and also what it got me into was like, 
oh, this is what science fiction is. It's not the Force Awakens. It's right. not like Independence Day. It's not. It's not like. Well, that's all science fiction. But, this but, is. But this is the science fiction I like. This is. Yeah. This is what gets me going. You know, like every part of this. You know, like gets me interested in the 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 collusion or the conflation between scientific theory and good storytelling. I, and, I think good science fiction is also like um, allegorical. Yeah, I think I think those are the the best. Uh, sci-fi films. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, like even, even the fact that the thing that I took away from this, the, the, what I loved about it is, is I think it's a great story. And then the thing I took away is immediately I went away and did a lot of research on neuroplasticity. And I was like really interested in the theory of neuroplasticity. And the more I read, read about neuroplasticity, I was like, Oh, that's how that ties into that story thread. You know, like they really thought about these kind of high level, scientific ideas like in the in the short story there's a big thing about Fermat's uh principle of least time which is kind of a complicated idea in physics but it's really connected to the actual narrative of of what's happening in the film and, and I was like wow that that's what great science fiction is that's that's kind of what I wish I saw a little bit more of um people call me a nerd <laughs> I Look, let's be nerdy. I, I think I, <laughs> you think you think people don't think we're nerds. By the way, is that is that what you think? Touche. <laughs> um, something we else, host a freaking movie podcast. Well, speaking dude. of the nerdy things about this whole stuff, I feel like a the effects were wonderful. I feel like they fit the world perfectly. They mm. they, they never was I like eh that doesn't work or make sense or look right. I think there was never there was ever a shot that jostled me out. Was there one for you? You're making there a face, Paul. Was I think there like one of the. One of the earlier alien shots. Okay, but I, I think I, I, whatever it didn't it didn't ruin anything. It was like there. It was like early when uh, I think when the thing hits the glass. Thing yeah. open. No, no. It was there's a moment before that when it opens up. It just like wasn't as well crafted there's as a, there's some, a some of the later, other CG. There's a scene it's, later in the just, film that doesn't It's just the fact of uh, you know there's multiple VFX companies involved. Right, of course. There's like. They try to maintain a, a level of consistency, but for the most part, um, the film is light on effects, and yeah. when it does have them, you they just work. they work, and you mm. just kind of they feel go along with it. And I think know. the best effects are like some anti gravity effects that happen right at the start of the movie, and they're not like big CGI moments. They're just like, oh, that's those are yeah, the things fun. that I love in movies when I'm just like, oh yeah, that. that's also, a cool moment. Yeah. Like it's uh, yeah, it's just one of those moments where. Yeah, I don't know if this is a spoiler. Well, we'll get into it. Not, we'll get into it. Whatever. The um and the other thing, I would say I really love the stylistic choice, the the art uh the art design choice of making these creatures and obviously it was in the book too, but making them heptapods, making them basically kind of squid-like in yeah. a weird way. Because yeah. uh a lot of sort of theory about what sort of if if life was going to look similar to the way that life looks on our planet, especially in under the seas of Europa, under all the ice or all that shit. Uh, squids are the yeah. are sort of the building block race that they sort of feel like that's what they would be, right. or like yeah. jellyfish or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So I, I liked that because I was like that led into a lot of stuff that I I think is theoretically more possible than other things. I mean, we're not going to get into the whole concept of pantheistic solipsism. Uh, <laughs> we're not possibilities and and everything existing. I I uh, I thought the design of the aliens was one of the most successful things that brought me into yeah. it because I was like, I was like they, finally like, like aliens that are not what we think aliens would look like. Even independence day, they, they kind of like tried to twist what aliens look like, but like 
they don't have fingers and feet and toes and legs and limbs and eyes. They're completely alien and they're not like something we would draw on a piece of paper. Uh, even though I think the little girl does. What I mean, I, what maybe I, in a metal like album cover, possibly. Yeah, what I yeah. what I like about it as yeah. well is in it terms was, of it was kind of like a Metallica cover or something yeah. like that. Yeah. In terms of design choices, is that you're asking your CG, but by by the design that they chose for the aliens, you're asking your CG not to have to do too much big broad strokes movements, which is where CGI tends to fail is in the physics. Right. And you know, these aliens kind of just sit move there slow. and they move very slowly. They don't was, got bones. <laughs> so so I kind of like I think it's a smart choice. The, the other thing um that I just, you know, being a fan of design, I thought the architecture of the ships was like incredible. It yeah. was like it was like this brutalist like seventies yeah. architecture. Yeah. That was it was like uh, you know very like monolith esque yeah. and it just was like 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 a, a thing it was just and, and you don't understand what it is but it has like a it feels like there's like a deep logic to it yeah um, and it, it it's it's almost like um, slightly terrifying because we 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 can recognize it but not at all and there's like there's no buttons in the spaceship or anything like that I really I think I really felt the the sense that. If an alien invasion happened, this is how I would feel. You know, like yeah, it, you it don't doesn't... know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it genuinely, you know, like uh, I you can't just when... get in the ship and fly it around like Will Smith and yeah, yeah. You, you know, know like, like like there's uh, this... they had help with the latest Apple computers to do that. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's right. So like you know like I I for whatever the design choices were, it felt like they were kind of done in a way that made me you know, respond in a way that felt authentic to the moment. You know, like I was like, oh, I, I don't know what's happening. And I don't say eeriness to the simplicity of it. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. elegant. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a couple of articles about the linguistic theory in the film where uh, a linguist actually like um, uh, went through what the you know, what the film was talking about and said there's a lot of there's a few theories in this that, that aren't quite uh, the way she would hope that they were. Um, oh, I have a breaking one. Oh, later really? down the line, yeah. Okay, um, but uh, but for the most part, you know, again, I'm <laughs> my extensive knowledge of linguistic theory goes as far as Noam Chomsky and and a couple of things in semiotics, but 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 that's about it. You know, like I'm not like well versed in that topic, but I think it is endlessly fascinating. And what this film did was illustrate to me how important a subject that is, um, and and how fascinating that subject could be. And I is like for a film to do that, I think is is really cool. Yeah, we should get into spoilers. And one thing, really quick, before spoilers, uh, is just I thought the sound, uh, oh yeah, the, the sound mix and the sound design, the score, the score, the score was the score was great. But uh, literally, and Max Richter, just the the it it made you feel like you were in spaces, and yeah. that's something that I I feel like a lot of times is forgotten. Uh, in these sci-fi, you know, things that you're seeing something larger than life. Does this so. make you excited for for Blade Runner, uh, the Blade Runner sequel? Yeah. Really? Yeah. This doesn't make you excited for the Blade Runner sequel. I mean, I think three it, films by Denis Villeneuve. This is the first one I've. Well, I liked Enemy a lot, and then I liked this one. I mean, I think yeah. I think Blade Runner Sicario. would be fine, but I don't think Blade. I mean, I just I'm of the camp. Blade Runner doesn't need to be redone. Why no, the fuck no, do a different fucking movie? Do it's another sequel, movie? But I, I yeah, I'm not a big I'm not or, a big yeah, Blade Runner fan. At least they're picking someone interesting to. Yeah. tackle it. of course but um, let's yeah. have that person but, let's right. give that person the budget he would do with blade do runner and do else. something yeah. new yeah it's, right. it's unfortunate that arrival has a well it's not a low budget but for what they're pulling off it's what 47 million dollars i think it's less than that 
Oh no, maybe it is. Yeah, Forty-seven Iran. mil. Yeah. Um, and as for what of, they're pulling off, right, they haven't made their money back. As yet. of yesterday, but, they might. but then you know, but, I was I was I was reading an interview with the producer. Yeah. Who said Who said Look, we're not going to try and sell the. He's, he said an interesting thing, which is like, I'm not going to try and sell people on the idea that they're coming in to watch Independence Day. That's not what this movie is, yeah. and I'm not going to try and lie to you. This is a quiet, contemplative movie. Yeah. And instead, what I'm going to try and do is say. Hey, if you want a quiet, contemplative movie that's really cool, come and see this movie. But also, I dare anyone, the highest brow Shahir motherfucker or the dumbest fucking Marvel fanboy, uh, to watch both trailers for Independence Day Resurgence and and fucking Arrival and tell me which one looks better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it looks better. It yeah. looks distinctively better, no matter what your cinematic palette. Props to uh, the DP Bradford Young, who Bradford Young, yeah, yeah. Paul was pointing out to me, it shot um, uh, a most violent year and a couple other and Selma, things. yeah, most violent year, who yes. on Solo. All right, uh, so all right, what, oh, uh, anything before spoilers? No, this is it. Forever hold your peace. This is it. Before we get done. I was going to talk a little bit about the production. I heard that they sort of developed it like an independent film. Um, right. Where does that feel? I feel. Yeah. Like. They, I think they got a lot of independent financing for it, even though it is 47 million. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a lot of independent financing. No, I think, I think they did get, um, but like does- they didn't rely on the studio to, to get this movie made. Right. And I think that shows, uh, and hopefully it shows, yeah, you know, there's a flaw to this studio system. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, at this point, would you, if you were in charge of a studio, would you say to Denis Villeneuve that, no, you can't have $50 million to make your little independent science fiction movie? Or would you? At I think point, that's hard th- to say because we don't know how a big ass fucking studio runs. We sure yeah. as hell pretend we do. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about it like we do. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. We talk about if we like what they did or not. I think, I think he's proved himself at this point. I think that's why he's doing many uh, times over. Blade, Blade Runner. So yeah. Yeah. Let's get into, let's get yeah. into, let's get into the nitty gritty. Okay. So this movie opens up with Dr. Banks being the linguistics professor played by Amy Adams. We talked about before remembering uh, just sort of various stages of her daughter's life, her daughter being born, her daughter growing up, playing with her daughter, her daughter being nice to her, her daughter being mean to her, and then eventually dying of cancer. I love, I it's love like that up the beginning. Of- yeah, yeah, it, it is. A lot was. like up. I love that montage as well, which was like, I love you, and then snap cut to when she's gotten older, I hate, I hate you. you. Yeah. I just thought that was such a Get ready for that, Shahir. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and then uh, after that, uh, she sort of, you know, snaps. It was, it was a dream, right? Or she was like sort no, of remembering. No, 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 no. She, as far as we were concerned, we were seeing a flash. That's right. So back. we just flash did that. And back. then, yeah, yeah flashback. Yeah. And then we were going towards, um, and then it shows yeah. her being a teacher. Quotes. Um, near, in like a near empty classroom. Well, empty because, of, because well, of, well, yeah. everyone's watching the TV and she well, passes. Well, they're watching their phones or shit, and they wa- she and, walks no, in. I think there's a screen. No, she they they asked to they asked to put on the news. Yeah, and she br- moves the chalkboard, and I thought, oh, that's fucking I silly. That, I thought she walks past, like in the lobby. No. There's a crowd of people. yeah, they're oh yeah, later. outside, but yeah. that yeah. they don't even you don't but even see. The I screen. love that that it's it's like such a simple shot, and yeah. it says so much. It it, it feels like uh like it feels like. 9-11. Well, that's what I was going to say. This, I, That's in my notes. I feel like this felt exactly like I did when I was in college when 9-11 happened and everyone's like looking. there's a moment where you don't know that you, you're you still living in a reality where 9-11 hasn't happened yet and you're like. And then everyone else like, is everyone's reacting. Everyone's kind of like acting weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. And then, and then yeah. And I, I, the way they handled the unraveling of that is 
It's how an alien invasion would, would happen. It's, and, it's and, cool as well because it's like you can tell that they didn't need to, you know, like one way to approach this particular idea of like, oh, the world is in chaos now would be to show the chaos. Right. And what they do is they show that, oh, only a few people have turned up to a class, which does two things narratively. One is that shows that she is oblivious to the world around her. And two shows that, you know, like, it shows the chaos by showing that oh only something's if, wrong something's wrong well, there's no, it's, truly it's like and truly it's there's and no it grounds it with the character which yeah. and it, it kind of cues you into like what perspective this film is taking it's all seen through the lens of her right it's an intimate film and yeah. truly there's no chaos at this point it's all awe mm. and that's what would happen there wouldn't be direct chaos right away when it just happens and 12 alien ships encircle the planet that's what happens in the film over uh, sometimes over oceans sometimes over major metropolitan areas sometimes in the middle of fields yeah um everyone would just be looking at the news stations when the news stations are like we don't quite know what's happening and that would ha- last for a, a couple hours before chaos set in yeah right i mean yeah there'd be a looting rioting well i don't know what i would do but. well i mean i was thinking about this a lot so if aliens invaded in this sort of way and i'm not talking like laser blasty way i'm talking about the here's a bunch they, of ships just, just appeared yeah. yep and um, they're not talking to us and yeah. every every sort of constituent of of human grouping would come up with their own reason why they're here and also reason why we should interact with them in a certain way. And it would be a total and utter clusterfuck. A different religions would treat it differently. Different governments would treat it differently. Um, I thought that what the film did, which was really smart, because it was in the short story, um, there's the line about the kangaroos, you know, like uh, the misinterpretation of the language. Yeah. Well, we'll kangaroo. get to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because that's directly related to what you're talking about, which is that, uh, Amy Adams is asked, you know, like, why is it important to learn the language? And she says, well, think about it this way. When the when Captain Cook arrived in uh, Australia, uh, he pointed to a kangaroo and the uh, the aboriginals, you know, said kangaroo, which is what they took the name for. But what they didn't realize was that the aborigine was actually saying, what is it that you're asking me? I don't, now, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. And, and that was um, that was uh, she says as well that I think the story is made up. But what didn't happen in the short story and did happen in the film, which I thought was brilliant, was that Jeremy Renner says, but you also realize that the Aboriginal people were decimated upon the arrival of the colonists, which is why you can understand why the military would be looking at this situation in that same way, which is that we are now the Aboriginal people of planet Earth. And therefore, the reason we're going to be so, you know, so protective is that we know what happens when we invade somewhere else is that we would kill, we would almost certainly commit genocide, whether intentionally or not. And the truth of the matter is if aliens come down and we have this militaristic out view of it as a people, it's aliens. There's 12 of them surrounding the fucking planet. I don't think our, what we have will cut it. Like we don't know what technology, that's the thing. We don't know what technology means. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Could I think a nuke would take it out? And there's definitely and, and, twelve nukes yeah. on planet Earth. The twelve? They I thought it's <laughs> At only least. Oh, okay. Might be, I'll have to count. might be thirteen now. I was yeah. watching it for a little bit. Yeah. Did oh they did they finally have one? Oh, I'm so yeah, proud yeah, of them. Yeah. Nuke they, twelve yeah, and just made twelve a new and one. eleven. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I thought there was uh, one, one underneath the Trump Towers, which like opens up if in case of warfare and just flies out like <laughs> Thunderbird style. Um <laughs> Fuck yeah. No, but so, I mean I think uh if we were to land on another planet, we wouldn't just attack the planet. No, uh, but and so but, that's but, the but careful the, balance that. But the, uh, the whole depends thing. if we'd scouted it first. Yeah, yeah, the right. point, the point there is that is that using that historical analogy and the fact that the Aboriginal yeah. people of Australia were entirely decimated, 
we know the bitter nature of man right. is to probably either intentionally or unintentionally destroy. So, so I, I just, I like that, that, that they use that to set up what was, you know, like the way that they would be protectionist about. Where's the fucking prime directive when we need it? <laughs> well, also, um, you know, just how, uh, a lot of, you know, global, global cl- conflict happens is through miscommunication. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what the film is, is talking about. So eventually the government comes, uh, the Colonel comes to Dr. Banks and is like, you did work with us to translate some stuff for the military. So we wanted to come to you. And she's like, okay. And she listens to it. And it's just a bunch of like, and she's like, well, I can't do this yeah. because whatever. And this is a part I didn't hear due to a waiter. I will say yeah. at the, at the, um, <laughs> Alamo draft house. Um, what happened here? Cause she, she, they, they leave and he goes, tell if you're going to this next person, this next uh, yeah, the, professional. So what happens is, is that she says, look, I, I cannot decipher this from a recording alone. I need to see them and I need to understand, are they making a sound? Are they making a gesture? Like, we don't know if they're there's no context. There's no context to this. And that's the only way to start understanding this language. You need repeated and, recordings. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You actually need to do a study in order to learn a language. And, and what the colonel says is, no, I can't give you access. I'm going to go to someone else who will um, decipher this for me. And she says, ask him what the Sanskrit word for war is. There and, we go. And the San- and and it turns out that the, the there's a mis- miscommunication in the in the Sanskrit word for war, which means a desire for cows or something along those lines. And and to his bitter judgment, the colonel basically says, "All right, you're you know, yes, we need to to actually do a study. You're our doctor." You're our doctor. So she teams up with a physicist. Yep. Or she's introduced to a physicist played by Jeremy Renner. Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. I li- see. I like. I like seeing Marvel action heroes in a film like this. Like just like I like. Well, seeing he's an actor before he's a Marvel action hero. Yeah, and I like. I like seeing Jeremy. Like Jeremy Renner was in an episode of Louis, which I I was like, man, this guy is really oh, yeah, good. He plays like the weed dealer. Yeah, the weed dealer or something, or something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's so, right. And but what's the the lines that are exchanged there is that. Um, the first, the first weapon drawn in any combat, in any war is language and, and language is the most important thing the most important fundamental cornerstone of our knowledge. And, and, uh, Jeremy Renner's character says, no, it's science is the cornerstone of our knowledge or something along those lines. So you get this idea that, uh oh, will they, won't they? Yeah. (laughs) And boy. They will. (laughs) (laughs) They they sure will. (laughs) So they meet in the helicopter. They're flying out to the alien spaceship. They go to the little government tent city uh, where it's at. And then uh, every 18 hours, the ship opens. But, but can we talk about the fog shot? That's talk the about the fog shot. So yeah, they're I mean, going, they're driving like to the awesome ship shot. for the first time. They're flying on a helicopter. It's like, yeah. A, yeah. It's like a couple minutes long. So the yeah, rumor the that I heard shot. through the grapevine and write in if you, if I'm false about this, but this came from a reliable source, but I can't tell you who. Um, He's in the room. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, is that this fog shot, there's a beautiful shot of the helicopter going towards a spaceship and You'll there's the just trailer. fog rolling over the mountains onto this field. Apparently that was a natural phenomenon that just happened and they just fucking saw it happening and were like, fuck, we need to shoot this now. And they rallied everyone real quick and they just went it's out. Fun, and it's did funny. It. The friend I saw the film with, um, he owns a drone company and uh, we have been we he reached out to geologists. Um, oh, really? Or, or geo- Wait, who who studies weather? Um, Meteorologists. Meteorologists. Sorry, yeah. Geolo- Me- <laughs> No, so, I don't know. Brain fart. 
uh, me- we we did like an outreach to meteorologists because we were trying to find a location in the U.S. that naturally has this. There is a place uh, near where I grew up um, in Marin County um, that has this phenomenon. Um, but we, yeah, it, it's uh, and then we saw that together and we're like, damn it, like they got it. Oh. Um, Simpsons did it. Yeah, I I mean I the thing and, about that shot is I you you've just told me that it was a real shot. I. Even you telling me that, I go, surely they CGI'd that because it's just, it. it's so... No, they actually built the alien ship. Yeah, and, and then put it yeah. in and the meteorological effect yeah. of having an, an object <laughs> the in the air. The ship's just really close to the camera and it's yeah. on a stick. <laughs> yeah, but it just, it it's so, it's I guess it's one of those those beautiful, happy accidents when um, when you're making a film and everything you're doing is kind of like thinking about how everything ties to your story yeah, and this is one of those right. things where you're like they're like fuck clouds go that that fog rolling yeah. over feels but it's like a phenomenon and, it, and it's like one of these things that like you can't it's just like we don't it's unpredictable and mm. we we don't fully grasp mm. what it is it's like it's like as if you know mother nature has this like deeper knowledge that we will never know that it, it kind of played into that whole concept i feel like yeah um, yeah anyways. and, and so, again you know like you were talking earlier about how like it, it makes you unsettled and you're like oh what am i feeling that that right. effi- that fog actually it does plays that. into the tone yeah perfectly and you know you can't see through the fog there's all yeah they got yeah. lucky so they get to the ship. There's a little uh, little uh, crane thing. Not a crane, but a little elevator, like the portable driving elevator. Lift. Scissor lift. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and they go up and they open up the, they go to, into the alien spaceship with some military guys. And then the cool part that you mentioned, yeah. uh, Paul, about the gravity happens. Yeah. If, if it felt like a, like a 2001 yep. moment. Or yeah. Basically gravity or, or, shifts as they go up. Yeah, yeah. Where they, yeah, they do a 90 degree, like, like turn. Leap, yeah. Uh, midair. Where yeah, the gravity has somehow shifted ninety degrees as they walk up this like sort of cavity that goes through the center. It's a hallway of the pod. to get to the, the center yeah. where the glass is, where they meet the heptapods behind the glass. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was super cool. And it was it's one of just, my favorite. Yeah, it's moments. one of those moments that you like love a film where it doesn't make any sense, but you just go with it. Uh, well, I, do you I, think it makes sense? I, I mean, you could argue what, that the ship has gravity. The, I mean, what's the point of it? I, I beyond feel like, it being okay, so like beyond a, beyond it being like playing into the unsettling, like oh, this is something we human th- that is beyond us as humans. No, no, they actually say it in the film. Uh, it, it has a direct narrative thing, which is they're talking about how we don't have access to the internals of the ship because the 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 aliens probably have a protective layer between their atmosphere and our atmosphere. So this this. Oh, so the gravity, the gravity shift is 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 basically it's like a, a mini atmosphere. Inside? Yeah, it's a, it's it's a point at which the atmosphere changes. Mm. Uh, it's a point at which where where the the conditions of between uh, out. Pick I just took it as the yeah. place the the waste gets jettisoned I, out. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> but the thing is, it looks rad. Yeah. And and you know, like what's weird is it's like I've seen bigger effects in bigger movies. That Not don't feel as, yeah, don't as feel effective as, cool. as this. Right. And, and I think it has that like thing. Like Doctor where, Strange has like way crazier shit, but that there's something so simple about that. Yeah. That, I think yeah. They, they're really yeah. like tapping into like, you know, like doc, I haven't seen Doctor Strange, but I feel like that that's a film that would overwhelm your senses. Oh, you dodge that lot. bullet. <laughs> yeah. And by <laughs> bullet, I mean totally enjoyable film that you'll never see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, well, I know I don't need to because you recorded a, a great episode about it. Um, so what I, yeah, but what I like is that there's this sort of sense of, of examining the tactile, you know, like we, we see close-ups of hands, like touching the ceiling as we're walking. Mm-hmm. We see Jeremy Renner fall over as he's trying to right. adapt to it. You know, like it's, it's those little, Oh, I fell over. <laughs> oh, I fell over again. Yeah. Um, I've fallen and I can't get up. So, 
So they get in there and they start making the noises again. Uh, but Dr. Banks is like, whoa, 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 hold on. And she starts drawing on a whiteboard. Side note, everyone that they were going with, uh, I, they were, uh, the colonel was like, what, what the fuck you bringing that for? Yeah. And like yelling at the scientists for bringing a whiteboard. Like right. no one had seen a whiteboard. That's pointless. That's stupid. No one's thought of drawing a thing. Yeah. That, uh, this was one of my problems with the film was this kind of cliched like, oh, the military doesn't understand the experts that they brought in just because we need some sort of like drama. We need some sort of tension yeah, between I the characters. Yeah, I hated that. Yeah. And it was just like, I've seen that in Hollywood movies yeah. all the time. Like, just let... I, I would... I think... You could have just had the why, military... Why be, be mad about it, though? They no, should have been... Just, they, just they, they could have been super helpful and still have China and Russia They're sort like, of be this, the... Is this whiteboard big enough for yeah, you? Oh, we got like, three different yeah, whiteboards. Yeah, We're not sure how large you want to draw, but this was like... that's what actually would happen if they wanted to play fully realistic. Like what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing, geek? Yeah. Like fucking, you bringing a I, I exactly? Think, I think that yeah. monologue about about uh, kangaroos in Australia and colonialism does it works for me because I I think but the, that convinced them. That's my point. Yes, that whole moment works. Like if the military is like blah, 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 and then they're like, no, this really poignant thing about kangaroo, the word mm. kangaroo. And then they bring them on board. They're like, oh, okay, cool. Then we'll go. But then every step of the way, there's someone being like, why aren't you done? This well, is taking too long. Well, the thing, da, 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 da. The and thing, it's like. Oh, can't you do science faster? Yeah. No, but the thing I, the thing that I like is that there is a there's an agent of the government. I think it's from the CIA, played by Michael Stuhlbarg, awesome from uh, the Coen Brothers film, A Serious Man, um, who's basically trying to negotiate the fact that this is one of twelve, and and the other, and he's trying to like figure out, okay, if we do this. This has impact for what China's going to do. And if China does that, Russia might fall in line. But and then I, our heroes have to convince them to share. And then then they all share. Like, only there's only two people in this movie. Everyone else is either dumb or completely b- blocking progress. And then these two people, these two scientists come along. And again, I'm starting to shit on it, but I really love this movie. It's like, oh, these are the only two people that can not only understand this and learn it, but they're going to make everyone friends. I, right. I would I would put that down to a fa- um a function of budget, but uh, yeah, I, one of the things is I was like, oh, I would have loved to see like, like the, you know, the French are like famous for their study of linguistics. I was like, I, I would have loved to have seen a French professor like having a conversation with Amy Adams about it and like yeah. them collaborating. I did get the I, sense. There was a missed opportunity for me with that. Like yeah. Her interacting more globally. I think, yeah, I think it, it could have been actually really. It's what you said, Paul. It's like, why can't they be nice? There's still dramatic tension later on in the film when yeah. China and Russia become secretive. You can still set them up as secretive right. there. Why do does our military have to come off as fucking like it's just, just bumbling it, meatheads? Right. Like it just, it bothered me. And, uh, I so think, it's I a small gripe. I don't think they're being bumbling. I feel like they're being protectionist. You know, like they're being... They're being they're not, overly cautious. In the story, they're not trusting the fucking scientists. They're treating the scientists like idiot children that they brought in because they can't understand what's going on. Well, remember, again, their their mandate is to protect the people. So so they're they're kind of going, you've got to give me information to not like a- activate the warheads at this point. Sure, but they but they're giving them shit before they e- they bring them on to do that job, and then they give them shit before they do the job. Right, that's what bugged me. Anyway, it doesn't yeah. hurt. The, it's no, no, it's it's just a criticism of sort of the the way it was. Structured. I guess what I'm yeah. saying is that I can I can buy. I, I know you're saying that it's like. But in, 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 in a in a uh, worse movie, we wouldn't have even been of talking course. about. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm literally looking yeah. for problems. I think uh, I think the uh, one thing though about this whole whiteboard thing, it's the conceit that's the the suspension of belief that you have to be you have to go along with like, and maybe, maybe my understanding of linguistics is not very in depth, but I was just like, 
I you have to suspend your belief that like writing on this whiteboard, the aliens understand it. Then they make a sound, and then the, and then the little puff of smoke comes up, and that that all correlates to each other. Like, how is that not just random shit happening? Well, and so that that's the point. The suspension of belief the whole movie relies on. You also have to believe that they can see the same way that we exactly, see in like, the same ultraviolet yeah, spectrum. You have to believe that totally. they know what holding something and, and, up and, and, and like, pointing and to it to yourself, thirty feet away, whispering, and knowing what and your like, arm written, is. Point yeah, like what yeah. does this, what does a pointing to yourself mean if you've never seen a human before? So, so like so it, it, so to yeah, me well, it was like, on, again just talking shit on a on a great movie. You, you try to that's what I do. Yeah. No, well, but, but, but you have to go along with like some, and I, it, it took me a second. I, I got to say to be like, this is a little like too easy actually. Yeah. It, it, it certainly feels easy in the film. It, it doesn't feel easy in the, in, in the, the short, short story, but, but I think there's, there's a, there's a theory that, you know, like you need to try and find, um, symbols for things. So basically right. she's saying that this is a a symbol for me. Cause she, you know, she writes this and she points to it and then she's expect, she's no, expecting. I, I think in theory it works. I just want to, if you wanted like tension in the scenes, like maybe there's m just like, she thinks she's like, uh, onto something and yeah. then it told like her whole work was actually wrong. And then she has to like rethink, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that's where you could get tension is in her right. struggle yeah. to understand. And she, sure. there was no struggle for her to understand yeah. them. Yeah. So, so eventually, and then it kind of goes through the, so the circles, they, they shoot this ink out of their hand that then becomes sort of what their language is. And it's all sort oh, of super complex. I, yeah. I want to uh, talk about that. Cause that to me is, is one of the best things about the film sure. is, is like if aliens fucking came to earth, we wouldn't understand a single thing about them. And even like having like nonverbal, nonlinear, uh, maybe they're verbs. I don't know. We it's yeah. But anyways, like a non-linear form of language I thought was like so amazing. What I have yeah, dubbed the yeah. etch-a-sketch method yeah. yeah, because it shows up for a minute and then it goes away. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's fucking crazy. And there's reasons why it is the a circle. Of it there's, are really yeah. cool too. It, it's like material. It's like solid, but not solid. It's, yeah. It's so, great. It's very imaginative. It's very yeah. A lot of thought. Very, a lot of thought was put into that. Yeah, it's 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 kind of brilliant because it also again the design ties into the narrative conceit yeah. that happens later on. So eventually, after some uh, some science montages of them like learning and becoming friends with the two uh, hypnopods, which they montage mo montage. <laughs> yeah. um, they named Abbott and Costello, which I thought was really cute. Yeah. Um, they were called uh, Raspberry and uh, Flapper in the in the short story. They made it better. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> they finally get pressured into asking too soon the question of why are you here, to which the aliens give a cryptic answer about for a gift slash weapon, and everyone gets spooked. Gift of <laughs> Whipping. But I, I love like, like there, you know, like then Amy Adams has to come and explain it. I'm like, oh my God, is she just trying to explain away what they've said? But she's also saying like, what does whipping mean? You know, like it, a whipping could also be a tool. Yeah. So at the same time, China and Russia cut off communications after learning something. It yeah. wasn't that they like, they just stopped. Why no, did they, they say they, they did learn that. They learned that. Yeah. Then they're like, oh fuck. Boop. I think the Manjong. Uh, thing happened before that. No, what was that? He, the, they the, were playing mahjong with uh, the Chinese. Were playing the Chinese, mahjong. They were they, setting they, up. They were communicating in, in playing games by playing games, which I thought was also like a nice, like interesting. interesting but then it set them up. I think twist. Amy Adams calls it out that there has to be a winner and a loser. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. So they're 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 they need to find a perception zero sum. of this is that like it, it should be approached from a purely militaristic standpoint. Right. Yeah. 
Um, um, which was a nice, that was a good way of like, I, yeah, I, lo- I, I just love that sort of interpretive. But it, it, it felt like real. It's just like, yeah, like, I guess they're like searching for ways to communicate with something. You don't know what the hell it is. Yeah. And play, also play this very like, you know, I don't know, iconic kind of game. And yeah. I want to yeah, see how they played though. Cause they're behind a big piece of glass, but we don't need to get into yeah. that. Uh, so then they kept on like crushing the, side the, note. The, yeah. The, the side the note, Amy Adams is starting to dream in their language and like having dreams. That's mixing her, her, her thing with her daughter. And also like then Abbott shows up like in, in, in the dream. So this, so the thing is, this is very uh, reminiscent of enemy, enemy, by the I way, was say, yeah. 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 giant spider thing. I think that's how he got the job. Yeah. He villain. It was like, Oh, can this director do giant spider things? Yeah. Like, in yeah, a dream. Yeah, yeah. No, but so it, like, obviously this didn't happen to me, but like I, uh, when I was younger, I, I did a exchange trip to, um, to Tahiti when I was a kid to, to speak French more. And, and I did really badly the whole trip. Like I, I spoke French really poorly. I was homesick the whole time. But I remember what happened. There's an interesting thing that happened on the on like the last day after two weeks of like just having this pretty terrible trip. I I bumped into someone at the airport or something like that, and I said, "Excusez-moi, désolé." So I started apologizing to this person in French, and I didn't realize what had happened on that last day. Was I started thinking in French, mm-hmm. and I started mm-hmm. like. And there's this thing that happens with like your syntactical structure, the way you arrange words in your brain. And it, and it is like you start thinking of, of, you know, your perception of the world changes very, very slightly. And I suddenly, it was like. And you're supposed to dream in that language, you know, yeah. like the more you get immersed in it. And, and it happened to me. So like when, when this idea that, that, you know, happens to her in this film, I just thought it was really powerful. And mm. it, it just reminded me of that experience, which. Like when it happened and I was like, holy shit, I'm actually not thinking in English anymore. I'm thinking in French. Right. Um, it, it It is um, remarkable. Muzzy would be proud. It, Muzzy? No one, no one got the Muzzy oh, reference. Oh, the, the French. Yeah, I had to watch that. Yeah. Crap. This yeah. Is I actually, <laughs> I actually hated that. I, it creeped me out. Yeah, because well, <laughs> it's a contru- cartoon monster trying to teach you yeah. languages. Oh, really? I preferred in here? Spanish class we had Destinos, which was a Spanish <laughs> soap opera that taught you. Um, no, that was it. Was just another nice touch of like, all right, they thought about this. Well, uh, they thought about it because it ties into the and it, the, yeah. the twist. Yeah. So so yeah. And I think like uh, maybe maybe something I didn't love about Enemy that it worked here, like just like dream things, like trying to explain away stuff. It's just like a trope. Um, and this, I felt like the the dream was totally justified sure. in this yeah. film. Yeah. So um, so after Russia and China cut off communications after this cryptic message, um, the military decides, or a rogue wing of the military decides, Boy. fuck it, we're going to bring a bomb in. Two soldiers. Uh, yeah. uh, no, it's like a whole, it was a contingent. It wasn't just two soldiers. Two brought it in, they're, but there was They're a, listening to like some Alex Jones-esque, like, yeah, uh, they alt, are, yeah. alt-right, like, yeah. uh, Aliens are taking alien. our jobs! Yeah, exactly. Um, so <laughs> then they try to blow up the ship uh, and it fails. It blows up. Uh, they, then they say, oh, they're going to kill the two scientists. They're going to kill Amy Adams and fucking Hawkeye. Right, in the same way. But uh, Abbott dies as well. One of the aliens dies in that. Right. In that, uh, so so then um, they the ships all all 12 sort of rise up uh, higher, like a half mile up in the sky. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, by the way, now we kill Somehow you. this feels worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Amy Adams, uh, wh- she eventually goes out to have one final uh, talk with them. Uh, by herself. Why does she do that by herself? Because it, oh, because they're not letting her go anymore. Well, no, she she comes to this conclusion. She starts figuring out the fact that that if you learn a language structure, um, you start thinking in that structure, and your your perception of the world is entirely different. And so she 
realizes that this circular um, symbols that they have means that they don't perceive language linearly. They perceive language. They see the end of um, the end of a sentence as they're writing it. And so they can, and you can, they can write the sentence in both directions at the same time. And so they can, basically what it means is that they can, they can go backwards and forwards in the sentence without ever losing how, how, like imagine being able to say a sentence and say it backwards and say it forwards at the same time without ever getting lost. Like Hannah, her child's name that was a palindrome. Which was a palindrome. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Uh so, so then she has this sort of so she's starting epiphany. to yeah she's starting to be able to think in that way and then she runs out uh, uh, to take the truck or whatever and then a little mini spaceship comes down and picks her up and throws her back into the white mist inside the spaceship. So the thing I and there's my, a cool transition there too where like she does she doesn't actually like it doesn't ever look like she just physically aboards the ship she's just like somehow transform the space yeah. transforms and she, the thing I, I, the I one the one cgi effect i did not like was in this scene which was her hair uh, oh, it looked rotoscoped right yeah i think i feel like what, something i feel like what happened it was is they, dark they, they it was tied like her they, hair up and then they and then and then the the hair was actually cg oh really i, I mean that's like what they i shot it on a black background and then tried to composite her in a white I don't know. There's some weird. There's some. That was the one thing I was like. I noticed that too. Yeah, had a bit of a L'Oreal commercial to it. But that, but that might also be because this entire scene happened in subtitles, and I was just and I, my subtitles were in Dutch. So I was like, oh, look at so now we now we learn the plot twist, gentlemen. Paul, what happens? Uh, They say we our weapon. I'm fucking this up. They say our like the weapon turns out to be language implanting her with knowledge uh, of the future. Right. Well, it, so it's the, the I'm, weapon I'm, is I'm, teaching I'm her the language right. that the, the, actually lets her when her brain understands the, weapon, the language, yeah. when her brain understands the language, then she can experience time the way they do, which is non-linearly. They experience all time at the same time. Kind of like Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen. Sure. Uh, and then, oh, look at you. Dude, I love Watchmen. Look at you. Oh, he's all grown up with his comic book references. <laughs> oh, my God. I uh, like, <laughs> didn't I school you on Watchmen at some point? Uh, no. Uh, so then <laughs> the the uh, then she realizes, oh, because the military, they think China is going to uh, shoot the like the, nuke it, nuke it out yeah. of the sky. So then she this is where the plot twist happens. And you realize that the flashbacks of her daughter are not entirely flashbacks that they've been hinting at, right. but in fact, the future. Yeah. Spoilers for Lost. It's why season four of Lost. Is yeah. Lost. Yep. So, yeah. So where where it gets interesting is she can then like pull knowledge. It's like this from like her future self-fulfilling self. prophecy where she can pull knowledge from a book she wrote that um, of their language and also, before she has even received the information, and she can now, uh, she, she talks embraces, to the Chinese. It fully embraces the paradox. Yeah, yeah. She, instead, she, instead of like worrying about the paradox, the, yeah, yeah. she talks to the Chinese guy who was going to launch the nukes, and he tells her like the his wife's dying words, which is kind of silly and like like you know whatever. To me, and so, then that's what she has yeah, to tell a, him on the phone right. to convince him not to shoot the alien thing down. Right. So, and they meet at by the way, it's like a symposium for like thank you, Amy Adams, for saving the planet, like. Right. It's it's well, like I, I'm getting the imp- what I get the impression is, is that the language is because what they say again, I got this in Dutch was that the wit because I and like in Dutch, the word for weapon is wapen. And so I was like, <laughs> so, so I was like, so I was on, so I was trying to like interpret the titles and I was like, what I, my understanding was, was the weapon was language. It is. But they, they were but giving they Amy Adams. She is. And the also because they're re- the reason they're doing it is because 
They, that in 3,000 years, they need humanity's help, so they need humanity to to get on board. Okay, but then, and so she writes the book, and what I what I understand is that the language is spreading. So yes. I would perceive that, that the reason General Chang... Is okay end, with it is he understands it. And also the way he's kind of like telling her mechanically and sort of like prophecy knowing is because he understands, he himself understands why this is... A self-fulfilling prophecy. Why this needs to happen. Yep, 100%. Uh, so eventually... But like... Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It felt like very like Christopher Nolan logic a little bit. This whole scene. Yeah. I mean, it, well, feels, it, it feels like Christopher Nolan. I have a, I have and, a, I have a theme breaking, um, uh, sort of, uh, discovery. I should say okay. brought up by a dear friend of the show, Mr. James Portnow of extra credits fame, right? Him and, uh, and our good friend, uh, Soraya, right. uh, basically here's the deal. He was mentioning that. Okay. So the aliens experience time, non-linearly they experience and that's how amy adams is able to do it she understands it because of the language and now she can do it too mm -hmm. right the aliens at if that's true mm -hmm. should have been able to understand english already if they experience it all at the same time but well they, then maybe they do maybe that's why they understand the whiteboard stuff and also, also, I mean, we, they can't speak it. Maybe they, they yeah, physically. they they also. I think one of the things that the that Amy Adams talks about as well is whether they have the facility to speak English or the facility to communicate in English, which they may not have. But like maybe, they, maybe because like, they just don't, like we don't have the maybe that's why they understand you know like her human and pointing and that sort of yeah. thing. I guess I could see that, but it is sort of like. They have these sort of miscommunications throughout the entire thing, like in the beginning, and they're little like get to know each no, but, other. But phase. also, but also remember, uh, Amy Adams isn't speaking to them in English. Amy Adams is speaking to them in their language. Eventually, I'm talking about in the beginning. It, it, there's just a very odd thing that kind of broke it in my brain when we were talking about this. When he, when the three of us were talking about this, it was like, yeah, like there, if if they experience time like this, they, they could very easily do it very differently than they did. Well, I Could think they? no, I think unless I, and this is my argument back and forth to it because they need her to get up to speed. Yeah. Right. But then there's the argument because with time travel, things obviously do get wonky. Like the like, does everything have to happen the way it has to happen in this world that we're talking right. about? Right. Because she yeah. can't she can't stop General Chang until she learns the language. And she the, the and this is where the beauty of the theme of the film comes in to play for me, which is that by doing this, she learns she knows ahead of time that her daughter is going to die and she still chooses to have that child. Yes. And that's, yeah. that's thematically what this film is about. And just like, maybe that's why, and I had said this too, and we were all sort of talking about it before, but like, maybe that's why Abbott has to die. He has to choose to still die because yeah. that's when he dies. But also and Amy Adams chooses because that's GX to experience the death. Just like Amy Adams yeah. chose to have the kid to experience the kid and to give the kid at least a, a small well, part. Remember of life. as well as like, they're not actually traveling through time. All they're doing is they're experiencing well, their memory. consciousness. No, their consciousness yeah. is sort of jumping between time. Yeah. They, they're yeah. experiencing knowledge through time. Yeah. So, so that's like, they're not like, yeah, they're like, they, the they are flashbacks, but they're, they're experienced like, yeah, just like it, it happened. Yeah, it actually happened but, that way, but they can. So it's not, it's not like they, they're physically transformed. So is yeah. the world, is the timeline, so to speak, locked? I think so. I think. Well, I, it is as long. I feel like the, the whole point was it is locked as long as Amy Adams ensures that it stays. But locked. does Amy Adams always ensure that it's locked? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, because yeah, because she, she can't change the death of her daughter. She like you know like she can't if she, if, if, well, she, could if she, she or could she not if she chose to not have a baby, 
that could have disrupted something in this whole plan and it could have all fallen apart. But, but does she have a choice? That's that. This is my question. And I don't know if there's an answer to it. I think this movie has a timeline that the way they present it, it is fucking locked in and everything that happens has to happen and everything that will, it's same thing. She never had a choice. Free will is a, is a myth in this world. I, I feel like in our world, I, I, don't, I don't see the thing is, I don't think it's a question of free will or myth because I think the thing is what the film is asking us in, in the terms of, you know, like she's actually narrating this to her daughter as well. Is that, is that even though I know you're going to die, even though I know your life is only going to go this far, I still choose to have you. That's yeah. what because, she thinks. I think that's well. What look, it's more beautiful the way it's knows. more beautiful the way you're saying I, I, it. I, yeah, I think that there's again, and, and because and, because and what we, also we, we also oh, well, we also get the the um, inference later on because what we realize is that Jeremy Renner is the father of the yeah. of the child, and that he he knows he can't deal with the fact that she knows this information. Right, it's the and, reason and that, that their relationship leaves. falls yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and she, and maybe he's angry at the fact that and, and she that references that. To maybe her she's daughter. he's angry at the fact that he knew she knew that he was going to die, and they still let him ha- have right. her have the child. Whereas, yeah, I think the way she sees it is that I would rather have the whatever amount of years I had with that child. Right. You know, she, this is the, the film is a love letter to that child. Yeah. Um, and I just, I found, you know, like even knowing that that child and I, I found that obviously heartbreaking. It's, it's a heartbreaking, yeah. beautiful moment. A hundred percent. I, I think when, when thinking about it in that way, but I think if, and this is, this is where, this is where the razor's edge thing that I talked about before, I think it does a really good job of doing that balancing act. But since it does give you enough information on how the world works, if the if the information they gave to make the world make sense to us with all the, with all that with all those facts quote that they gave us time has to be locked if time is not locked then the whole circle analogy experiencing it all at once does not work so therefore she had to have the kid even though in her mind she's doing it for all of the beautiful reasons that you said but it goes back to sort of even the way I think about the real world is that there is no free will and we were always going to be here talking about this movie right now sure. in how we experience it. Unless Library you want to do a battle. parallel universe theory, which is a whole different thing. I, 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 Pantheistic solves. I, I think both. I think both work. Yeah. yeah. And they can. Yeah. Um, they and can. I, I think it's cl- I, I like I do think it's closer to the to the um, Dr. Manhattan theory of time, which is that he can change things, but he experiences all time at all times. Can Dr. Manhattan change things? Yeah, because he, he's given the choice to change things the, uh, on Mars. We're going to go into Dr. Manhattan, but he chooses not to because he decides that every uh, Silk Spectre is a miracle and every life is a miracle. Um, but was he always going to do that? I, I think he, he could have made the choice. I think to your point, <laughs> yeah. though, uh, it's like because it's another, it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy because yeah. this ultimatum was placed on Amy Adams she doesn't have a choice. I, you know what? It's interesting is I think so like, I, like even though she, she thinks she has a choice like, and she goes through with it and she's, she's doing this thing to like have a kid against her own sort of um, moral feelings about yeah. it. Um, because this thing has been imposed on her, she can't break it. And that, so, and there well, is no free will. Here's the, here's the uh, thing. I think, I think, you know, like uh, I'm still, I'm still caught up on this, like the wife's dying, words okay. thing <laughs> I still can't get over that I was yeah. just like Ugh. so the one thing I was going to say like was that it was just, just, just the way you, clunky the way you've described it is do you remember uh, 28 days and 28 weeks you know like and the sequel 
I don't think I saw the sequel. Uh, the sequel, they basically had this idea that... They, the zombie movies? Yeah, the zombie movies. And the, the whole concept of the sequel was that we saw the how... Um, we saw a story from the zombies' perspective for a little while. And it was basically how what we thought was terrifying and, monstru- and monstrous was actually sad and, and deeply... Um, deeply, profoundly affecting. That was kind of what the conceit of the sequel was. I think with this, with the way you just described it, is I've taken from the first viewing that there's this beautiful sort of um, cyclical nature to life and, and and choosing what we think we can have. But but there would be an interesting sequel where 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 Dr. Louise Banks is essentially Cassandra. She's kind of like. Um, She's afflicted from with the, Wayne's world. No, Cassandra, the the Greek myth, the woman who could see the future, but would no one believed her. Schwing, bada bada schwing. No, um, no. So so it'd be interesting to like you know like to you could take the character further in like telling this story about how now having the ability to see through time is actually the greatest like. Um, Sadness in the world. You here's know, here's the deal. Dr. Manhattan <laughs> can change the future. Yeah. Because the entire crux of the story of Watchmen but is not. Sh- listen, listen, listen. Let me finish. Change the past. Let me finish this. It's about multi it's, it's like multiverses and yeah. things like that, where this movie, where Arrival, the entire basis of how the language works and affects your mind and makes you experience time, it would have to be locked to make sense. Yeah. I. I but, but. You're you're being the romantic of it, and I appreciate that. But I also think that's what the film is do- trying to do, right? <laughs> but they also gave us t- if they if they and I'm saying they gave us a little too much information where now we have to choose how we experience it. And you chose a beautiful way, <laughs> and I really liked it in that moment too. And it sounds like you did as well. Yeah. Uh, but there, but there is that whole like, well, it's always going to be like this. But up, up, but up, up, like. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. The sequel could be like a, a, a sadder interpretation of like having the knowledge of 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 the future. No one knows what it's like. <laughs> Who wants to live oh, wow. forever? That was different. <laughs> anyway, guys, this has been we're run way over. This has been a very interesting <laughs> conversation. Uh, wait, oh, so final thoughts, Shahir. Should they see the movie? Yes or no? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Paul, should they yes. see the movie? Yes. Yeah, one hundred and ten percent. I think you should do it too. That's three for three. So go see Arrival. It needs your dollars because we want more sci-fi films like this. Yes, at least at least break even on this movie. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this has been the only podcast about Arrival. Paul, when you're not talking about existential alien crises, where can folks find you? Uh, in my bed. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, it's all I do. No. Uh, uh, I guess, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, just at Paul Trillo, P-A-U-L-T-R-I-L-L-O uh, or PaulTrillo.com. Go check out his films. They're amazing. Nice. Shahir? Uh, ShahirDad.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. That's got uh, links to my Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. I don't know why you'd want to look at that, but there I am. Because you're a beautiful human being who finds lovely things in all types of cinema. I'm leaving now. You also <laughs> hate fun, though, so <laughs> fuck you. Uh, you can find me at Skeletor the number four Z on Instagram. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. At, at episode like just... 70, whatever the fuck we're on, now you're going to flip <laughs> it on me? I don't think so. You're the one that hates fun. Uh, I know you are, but what am I? You can also, that's exactly what you did. Also, Emperor MSK on Twitter and MatthewKroll.com. Also, please review us on iTunes and, um, yeah, this has been a really fun conversation. Mm, is this the last episode of the only podcast about movies, or am I going to look into the oh, future? Only because, only because it's also the first. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Nice All right. Bye, everybody, or hello. 